Before we begin today's show, we just wanted to remind you to pretty please leave a review on iTunes, share with your friends, share on socials, help us spread the word of is this working because it makes a huge, huge difference. And thank you. We'd really appreciate it. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Is This Working, a podcast that questions how modern work impacts our lives. The tools we use to work have changed drastically, but how we work hasn't. In this podcast, we explore how we can make work work better for us. We're your hosts, me, Anna Codrarado, and me, Tiffany Philippou. This show isn't about the future of work. This is about what's happening in work right now. Before we begin, we want to say a huge thank you to Moo, who is our sponsor for this episode. Whether you're a big business or a freelance creative, Moo is the place to go to to easily design and print quality business cards. We've got 20% off code for Moo for listeners of Is This Working? Simply enter the code Is This Working at the Moo.com website for 20% off your order. That's Is This Working, all one word with no question mark. The code is also in our show notes. Thank you, Moo. We'll be talking more about Moo later on in the show. What are we talking about this week, Tiffany? This week, we're talking about money, which is always a popular topic. Everyone loves to hear other people talk about money. And specifically, we are asking the question, which is, are you what you earn? Do you feel like you are what you earn? I I have quite an up and down relationship with how much I'm earning and how I feel about money and my self-worth, because that's what we're really talking about is our money and our self-worth. And I guess our identity as well. Um, I've always had a more I guess entrepreneurial relationship with money. So what I mean by that, that's kind of a grandiose statement for starve. And then I'm just in the starve phase right now. What's the opposite? Feed. Oh yeah. Feast. Feast, Feast, Feast. and famine. Feast, famine. So um, what I mean by that is, um, and I'm currently doing it, it's that low, not earning much at all because you're investing in a future where the earning potential is much higher. So in our last episode about money which is from season one check it out uh i told the story about how i had a low salary in a startup for a long time startup sold made money and got got cash that way and then i'm kind of redoing that in a way now so i'm transitioning from freelance consulting for startups uh i still do that a little bit if someone asks nicely but that was a very steady you know, 500 pound a day, day rate uh, job. But I wanted to try something new. I wanted to write, I wanted to create content. I want to do this podcast. So I stopped doing that. And then again, I'm kind of, I'm not earning anything, anything anywhere near that amount of money now. But I do believe that over time, this investment will hopefully pay off. And actually the earning potential could be way higher than if I just stayed doing consulting for startups. So it's interesting because 
because I have these on and off periods, it means that I'm really, I'm, I, I, you know, most people just continually earn more and more and more. So it's made me have to be a lot more thoughtful about money with regards to lifestyle and how I see myself worth and all those kind of things. Do you think that this, this kind of, I love this idea that you have an entrepreneurial attitude towards money and this idea of having periods of not earning because you're hoping to invest in the future potential of having a payout. Do you think that you have that attitude towards money because your first job was in a startup or do you think that you already had had that attitude before you started working? It's so hard to say. I mean, I think that I've only given that attitude a sexy title because <laughs> the reality is, is that I've had so much career change that, you know, if you want to transition from a brand and comm strategist to a writer you don't really have a choice but you have to take a pay cut so I've just put a really like cool narrative around it but the reality is that it comes from trying different things and wanting to try something new and so yeah so that's why I see that's kind of what I think is the cause of it really how about you Anna how do you feel like you would describe your relationship with money and work I would definitely characterize it as a complicated relationship because on the one hand I do know intellectually that I am more than what my salary what my raw salary looks like on a page but I'm also not going to pretend that I don't care at all what I earn um and I think also especially because, and you kind of touched on this when you were talking about transitioning into writing and how there would be no option but to take a pay cut. I do think about that quite a lot because I'm in what is generally considered to be a poorly paying industry. Um, most writing, whether it's in journalism or whether it's in books or publishing, is generally perceived of as being a uh, an industry where you don't have huge earning potential. And... I do strongly believe that it is still possible, even if you are a writer or a journalist, to make well, what I consider to be quote unquote decent money. So it is an ambition of mine to be making a comfortable, what I consider to be a comfortable salary. Um, and so, yeah, I do have this kind of, I guess, sort of tense relationship with money in in some respects. Um, but I do know that, you know, what I earn is not a reflection of who I am as a person or my abilities, but it's quite hard to actually put that into practice, especially when you're having, I find that kind of comes up, especially when I'm having either a conversation about salaries or I'm, I'm in a situation where I'm sharing salaries or I found out someone else's salary or someone has shared their rate on social media or something like that. So it still brings up quite a lot of uncomfortable emotions for me, I would say. It's funny because I think that the numbers, which are how much you earn, is the only thing that can be understood across industry and across even a company like Disciplines. And I always think about with the podcast, the first question people always ask is is the podcast making any money? <laughs> exactly. And obviously the reason they're asking that is because they are trying to work out whether the podcast is successful. 
and we've discussed success so much on this podcast but it's because people uh, you know it actually kind of makes me annoyed it's like why are people not saying oh does it fill you with joy to walk to your best mate's house on a friday to get to talk to her or does doing research about all these interesting topics about work that might people might listen to and it might help people does that inspire you no they go is it making any money and for me i think this is the, the problem is that how else do people across industries understand each other's success without understanding the numbers attached to earning? And the the thing is, it's when you ask that question of, is the podcast making any money? You are working from the assumption that our, our measure of success is that the podcast should make money. And you're kind of always assuming that money equals success and that these, these two things are connected. Um, and it doesn't kind of cross your, it doesn't kind of come up as a possibility that actually success might look like something else or that um, also, you know, it can be, especially especially with something like what we do, where we do lots of different things and we are, we are kind of forging relatively new career paths, where the kind of podcast fits into all of that also doesn't look like what a traditional work structure would look like anyway so I guess you know people are just kind of reverting back to that common denominator of yeah but how much do you earn exactly well in the next section should we have a conversation about where this all comes from yes let's dig deep into money Thank you again to our episode sponsor, Moo. I have so many fond memories of Moo because every startup I've ever worked at has used Moo to print their business cards. And I will always remember the excitement and feeling I got when my Moo box arrived to my desk because it would be because I was about to start a new job or I just got a promotion and it was almost like a Moo rite of passage. That's exactly how I also felt when I got my Moo cards when I went freelance. Um, I was also super impressed with the quality and the value. And yeah, getting those Moo cards when I went freelance made me feel like an exec. So go and get your own Moo cards with our special discount, which is Is This Working at Moo.com for 20% off. Let's get back to the show. Anna, where do you think it comes from then, this thing where we so closely tie our self-worth to how much we earn? I think it's partly to do with an identity issue because for a large part, how much we earn is a marker of who we are as people and also what contribution we make to society. Um, And also there is this kind of... There's this sort of implicit idea, or actually it's not even that implicit, it's pretty explicit, that being poor equals bad and being rich equals good. Uh, And, you know, you only have to kind of open a newspaper to see the way that people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds are talked about versus the, you know, the rich list. 
Um, and yeah, there's this idea that if you are rich, then you're kind of a better person and, you know, no one, no one strives to be poor. So, um, I think that's kind of, um, a big reason for kind of why we benchmark our self-worth by how much money we make. It's interesting because I think that we sort of get at a certain level that wages aren't necessarily in correlation to your contribution to society. And it is purely about demand and supply. And you might happen to be someone that has a skill that few people have and people will be a lot pay a lot for. But say versus someone like a teacher might not earn as much as whatever that other skill might be. Um, that doesn't mean that the other thing has higher status. So we kind of get that idea, but I think on an individual level, we don't, we, we really don't feel it, I would say. Um, yeah. And I mean, to drill into that even more, what essentially we're talking about here is how, even though we understand intellectually that wages are this marker that has been set by by economic forces and yet we have somehow attached all of this symbolism and all of this emotion to it. And I think that's something that's kind of often, we feel that, you know, is often in conflict for a lot of people that they know that, yes, a banker gets paid a huge salary in comparison to a nurse who doesn't, but is making a really, really significant contribution to society. But when we're thinking about ourselves and the money that we make, all of that kind of goes out of the window. And I think this kind of, we sort of saw this play out quite recently. So um, there was a news article that was kind of doing the rounds about the Tate, the museum here in London, the art gallery here in London, um, who were advertising for a head of coffee, which is um, a hospitality role in in at the Tate. And it was being advertised as a £40,000 a year salary. And there was a huge kind of public outcry about this because how could someone who is just doing coffee um quote unquote get paid more than the art curators and i found that kind of that response really really interesting because the vitriol was being largely aimed at the that hospitality role rather than well why are the curators not being paid enough yeah, it's funny how people get really angry about how much others get paid almost in a like, well, I could do that job kind of way. And I think that's when that ugly side of people's own messed up self-worth with regards to money lashes out basically on Twitter, really. Yeah, and it's especially the case when it's jobs that are perceived to be either easy or menial in some way. So often it's with, you know, often it's people who've never worked in hospitality. They assume that working in hospitality is some kind of easy job to do or tube drivers as well. This is kind of perceived as menial labor and that, you know, these jobs aren't worth, worth the money that these people earn. And really what's happening is you're just, you're looking, especially when a salary is public, you're looking at that figure and you are comparing it to what you earn. And if that salary is higher than yours, you're kind of questioning, why do they make more than me? Rather than thinking, well, hold on a minute, why aren't, you know, everyone deserves a decent living wage and why are some people not getting paid correctly? Um, And, you know, isn't the solution that we figure out a way for everyone to be earning a decent, decent wage? 
Yeah, and the way that that 40K for head of coffee might have been decided is the same system that decides your own salary. It might just happen to be lower. Um, and I think people just get so emotional about money because money is such a status symbol in society and we are constantly communicating that status symbol in what we wear, what uh, Aesop hand washes in our bathroom that we put on Instagram, whatever it might be, we're consistently sending messages out to the world and those messages are often hidden, but well, money kind of helps you send those messages with things you've bought. And I think that's kind of where it really comes from and why people are so emotional about money. I mean, this also ties back to what we were talking about in last week's episode around hard work and you know how much we make and how we can display how much we make is basically our way of trying to communicate how hard we're working and um you know we touched on this last week but to take this kind of concept of how hard we work even further a lot of people and and, you know like I've definitely felt this way as well there is this kind of idea that oh, I work really hard, therefore I deserve this salary. And that's quite a difficult idea to kind of get your head around because I can't help but think, okay, but you know, what I do in comparison to say a nurse or a teacher, though, you know, to actually teach people to take care of sick people, that is really hard work. And how can, how can I not think that those, that people who do that kind of work deserve to be paid well. I was thinking about a report that I read recently from the Sutton Trust, which is a social mobility charity. And it was super interesting because their research found that the most economically privileged are most likely to cite hard work and other meritocratic narratives as the explanation for their success rather than um, any luck or kind of family wealth that played into getting them to where they are now. Um, and it's really interesting because the report found that the top 1% are more likely to believe that they earned, that they achieved their status because they worked hard, worked harder than other socioeconomic groups. Um, and so that's really, really interesting because what that basically kind of says is that the people who benefit the most from this narrative of work hard and you will get what you quote, quote unquote deserve are the ones who are actually benefiting from it. Um, so yeah, I found that super interesting. And that comes back to that, what you said right at the beginning about poor equals bad and rich equals good. And people who are able to communicate their good through status of money and being able to buy nice things, they are able to feel good about themselves and feel like I am good, I'm contributing. But actually the reality is probably um, a bit different to that. And even socially, I feel like I know people who feel very proud of their deservings of high salaries and what have you and it I mean it it can cause a bit of tension I think actually because you see people have get so much of their self-worth out of their high salary and that does project onto people who may not have such a high salary because you can pick up on that and because they're implicitly saying well, you don't earn as much as me, so your worth isn't as strong. You're not as deserving as I am. Um, that makes me think so much about a friend's episode, um, the one with five steaks and an eggplant, which is such a brilliant episode. And it is all about how three of the friends 
Ross, no, yeah, Ross, Chandler and Monica all earn a lot more than Joey, Phoebe and Rachel and the tensions that pulls into the into the social group and the three friends who are earning less um, find it really, really hard to explain to the others that they feel like they can't keep up with them. So those who earn more and this is, I think, this is, and it was it's such a good episode because it, I think every friendship group has experienced this and it really taps into something that so many, so many of us have experienced where it tends to be the richer friends who set the pace of the group. And so the richer friends wanted to go and do nice things, have a nice dinner, do all of the stuff that the others couldn't afford. And they felt really uncomfortable saying that they couldn't afford it. Um, and it all kind of culminate, culminates in them having this really awkward conversation about money. And you can feel the tension through the TV screen. And some of these same things came up where Chandler says, well, you know, we work really hard for our money and we want to spend it. And then um, Phoebe and Rachel were kind of saying, well, it's not that we don't work hard. It's just that we are a different phase in our careers. This was kind of, and especially interesting in relation to, sorry, uh, you know, for anyone who may or may not have picked up on this, I am a huge friends nerd. So I've spent a lot of time analyzing the episodes. Um, but it is really, really interesting, especially with the Rachel character who then does go on to become very successful. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that at that particular point, they were they were just not earning um, money and it was just, it brought out so much tension in the friendship groups. The reason Friends is so timeless and the most watched thing on Netflix ever is because it plays out rea- real dynamics and real things that happen. And I, for one, have really struggled with... Uh, one of the hardest things about growing up is that difference that comes from your friends and money. So in our early twenties, we were all doing the same stuff. We all had similar salaries. You know, we, we'd, we, we wouldn't even dream of going to a restaurant on Tuesday night that might cost 40, 50 quid or whatever. And now because I've actively decided to change my earning for future fulfillment or whatever it might be, um, I'm hyper aware of how there's this like very laissez-faire high spending that happens, which I don't really see the point in. Like, why can't we just hang out at like your house? Why do we have to go to a fancy restaurant? Like, and suddenly once you become aware of it, um, I actually don't ever really want to go back to that actually, that I, I want to be more mindful in my spending. And I think that's why it's really good to have the on and off periods of earning. So you can almost recalibrate um i i've cut back in my life so much and i'm don't miss these things really at all i think there's actually quite a lot to unpack in what you've just been saying because on the one hand what's really interesting is that and you touched on this earlier is that your earning hasn't gone in the upwards trajectory that everyone expects earnings to go so most of us have you know from when we first entered the workforce we expected our salaries just to keep going up and that our lifestyle would also kind of move upwards alongside it whereas you've kind of bucked that trend by your earning goes up and down and to a large extent you know as someone who's self-employed my earnings fluctuate as well Um, and so that can be quite difficult when other people are on a sort of more upward trajectory but that kind of goes back to what we value in terms of success and the role that we feel that money kind of plays in how we feel how successful we feel um but something else I also wanted to say which is really I find really interesting is also this concept of just because 
you can afford something doesn't mean you necessarily want to spend your money on it. Because when you just said, you know, I don't think, I think I want to continue to be mindful. What you're basically saying is if I do start earning loads of money, that doesn't necessarily mean I want to be spending it just because I can. And that's come, that's definitely something that's come up for me in my life, um, particularly in relation to other people's weddings and in particularly in relation to foreign, to weddings that are abroad. So I um, got invited to a wedding once, which was abroad, and I looked at the the cost of it, and it was going to cost me the best part of a grand to go on that, uh, to go to attend that wedding. And I had that money, but I didn't want to spend it in that way. It meant that I wouldn't have been able to go on um, a two-week holiday with my partner and it was just not how I wanted to spend that money. And so I turned down that invitation. Um, but this is the thing is that you kind of, I, I found it really, really hard to say no to that invite. I remember I kind of spoke to you at length about it and it actually took me quite a long time to eventually tell, to eventually decline the invitation. And I found it really, really stressful. Um, and I actually did use kind of, I did say, oh, I can't afford it. and. I felt even saying that made me feel really awkward. Um, but I don't know how I would go about saying I don't want to spend my money in this way. It's kind of like, that's almost like the ultimate taboo. Like no one likes saying I can't afford it, but no one like really, I've never heard anyone saying I don't want to spend my money like that. Well, that's the challenge now because yeah, I might have 500 pounds in my bank account to go on a group holiday but if I don't want to go on that holiday because I'd rather spend that 500 pounds elsewhere people aren't that empathetic towards that and I think there's something about social pressure and spending that I'm becoming more and more aware of and it's interesting you talked about that how anxious making that made you because in my own experience of these things it is extremely stressful because you're kind of saying like I'm different from the pack and that is very against how our brains are kind of engineered to work. And so it causes a huge amount of stress and pressure. And it's very awkward within groups because it's like, fine, if you want to go, you know, to do that expensive thing, then that's cool, but you're not going to include me. And then I kind of think, well, you know, socially, do I want to hang out with people that make me feel pressurized to spend money? Probably not. And then so suddenly like these divides happen more and more. And as I said, as we started talking about this stuff, like that's one of the hardest things I find about getting older and friendships is suddenly our lifestyles are diverging in all these different ways. And it's just causing quite a lot of tension. Yeah. And you know, it's really funny is that we are so awkward about being upfront with our friends about money and about whether or not we can afford things. And we're also really awkward about sharing salaries with our friends as well. And kind of going back to what you were saying earlier that, you know, when we were in our early twenties, everyone kind of sort of knew what each other earned or when we were at university, we were all in the same boat. And then suddenly everything became really opaque and we no longer know how much people earn. And salary sharing is something that a lot of people do find really difficult and there's a lot of shame attached to it and yet at the same time kind of in one breath we're not prepared to talk about how much we earn and then in the other breath we are prepared to ask people to spend significant significant amount of money on you know weddings holidays nights out things like that with no actual information about whether or not that person can afford it um and i think that's really really interesting especially as you kind of get in your sort of late 20s early 30s and and upwards where 
you have you can it actually becomes really really hard to really figure out where everyone kind of sits and also not just from the raw number but also like the value that they attach to money and there might be someone in your social group who you may find out that they earn a way more money than you ever thought but they just don't choose they choose to spend it in a very different way to how you might yeah it's interesting because I'm just listening to what we're saying and it's like this is a problem that's getting worse as we get older and I think what happens is um we the longer you spend in the traditional workforce and the more you earn and the more you adjust your lifestyle to fit that earning the higher value you place with regards to the relationship between what you earn and your self-worth and so it just goes up and up and up and it gets worse and worse and worse whereas if you step out of that system in any way and you reevaluate it then suddenly you can see it with clearer eyes but I think that's just basically how the current traditional work structure works is that we believe our self-worth is tied very closely to what we earn yeah and I think and you know it all comes in from also all kinds of social pressure because um you know you start earning more and depending how you feel about your job I think also you want to kind of show that you quote unquote deserve that money. So you uh, you stretch your lifestyle out to kind of accommodate for this new salary. And then suddenly you kind of think, oh, I could never live with that. How did I ever not make that money? I need all of these extra things that I spend my money on. And then suddenly the pay rise that you got is no longer good enough and you you're striving to kind of get on that next rung and so the kind of cycle continues more 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 yeah give me more yeah should we talk a bit about what we can do about breaking the myth that you are what you are let's do it Okay, so what are some practical ways that we can start separating our self-worth from what we earn? Well, I'm going to give you all a gift, which is how I survive day to day with not earning much money, but still believing in my self-worth. So hopefully you're all earning a lot more than I am right now. But what you can do is use the same thought exercises, which is essentially think about how you're contributing in a way that's not related to money. So are you inspiring a team? Are you helping people? Are you enjoying yourself? Are you, um, you know, expanding your mind or challenging yourself? There's so many different ways that you can be contributing to yourself or to others through your work that aren't related to how much you earn. So it's just about being able to identify and articulate those. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I mean, that makes me kind of think a lot about you know, the greater need for us to even redefine how we measure the health of the economy and all of the unpaid labour that goes on, particularly with women and particularly with caregivers. Um, But until that happens, I think we can do that kind of individual exercise of, um, just as you described, um, appreciating the other ways that you contribute to society. And yeah, I guess, you know, just to play that out when people say, does the podcast make any money? a reply can be um well it does by the way but also (laughs) 
but but to say well you know these are all the ways that I find it successful and fulfilling almost to kind of like educate people or articulate because it's not people people just don't really know how else to relate they're trying to get a sense of it so you can also help them by explaining what it is about what you do that does fulfill you in different ways and I think that can also be part of the conversation. I also think it is really important to be real about the role money plays in your life and whether or not you do think it is a marker of success for you personally. Um, There is this really brilliant op-ed in the New York Times that I will link to in the show notes by a novelist called Jessica Knoll, which is titled, I Want to Be Rich and I'm Not Sorry. And it's an absolutely brilliant piece. And it's all about how she wants to write books, but she wants to make a lot of money from them and how she actively wants to write books that do get optioned for blockbuster movie rights. And in that piece, she says that for her, success is synonymous with making money. And I love that piece for so many reasons, but it's kind of, it's this brilliant, almost uh, feminist polemic about kind of re kind of taking ownership of being rich and being a, being an empowered woman who's making money. But it's also just very clear that for this person, money is really important. And if that's the case, great, own it and go for it. But if money isn't really kind of a big deal for you or isn't the most important thing in your life, then just make sure that you're really clear where it is on your priority list and kind of what you need to be doing about that. And so if it is high up on your list, then think about ways that you can make more, that you know, you can be making more money and go into a career that is really high earning. If it's lower on your list, then spend more time thinking about, as you said, all of the other ways you contribute to society. Um, and about the things that you do prize. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I know that this is a lot hard, especially when, if you are someone who has a different attitude to what everyone else seems to hold, it can be really hard to always be the black sheep, which is how I often, I often feel. Um, but at the end of the day, what you hold as your values are the most important thing to you. And so you just got to, um, kind of be true to them. Exactly. And I think I have a bit of a rough sense of how much I want to be earning per year, um, uh, you know, for the next five or so years. And I think about stuff like, do I care about buying more expensive clothes than what I buy now, more expensive food, go to more fancy places? The answer is actually not really. And so I've calculated how much I want to earn based on um, my current lifestyle. And I think that, as you say, it's about like knowing your values because it's all a trade-off. So I've actively chosen to earn less and have a lower number that I need because I care more about other stuff such as like freedom and blah 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 but again as you say there's you know money is a hugely beneficial thing for people to have in their lives obviously so just know what role it is and roughly how much you actually want to make for yourself not with regards to communicating to others your status yeah exactly and also I think you know just like take the pressure off both yourself and also those around you to always be doing things that require you to spend money um if you don't feel like you know that we've got a live example today of we're going to see a friend of ours later and I don't I don't feel like spending a lot of money and it's absolutely fine to say to that person, let's keep it low key. Well, I said, let's go to your house. Yeah, exactly. Let's just- like have we, any- all have, we all have nice, let's just sit in our homes. Yeah, <laughs> sit in our homes, watch Netflix. 
but but if you enjoy yeah if you're like but we'll have an amazing time because we've got great chat exactly <laughs> exactly and our friendship is based on more than just going and you know spending money and eating expensive food not that i don't like food but you know well, it's nice sometimes it needs to feel special exactly um but on that note i think if you are someone who's talking a lot about your work and your value with regards to money which by the way i used to do when i was just freelance consulting i'd 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 get so much i'd cling on to how much i was earning and um listen to that because it might be warning you that that's you're not necessarily doing the right thing for you and also just take note if you are spending really pushing boundaries of your lifestyle are you trying to find happiness and fulfillment where you're not necessarily getting it to your work so actually if you are overly valuing money in certain scenarios just listen to that and see what it's saying to you about your current situation that's what i would recommend This episode was brought to you by Moo. We've got 20% off at Moo for listeners of Is This Working? Simply enter the code IsThisWorking at moo.com for 20% off your order. That's Is This Working? All one word without the question mark. More details and T's and C's in the show notes. You are listening to Is This Working? With your hosts, Anna Codrerado and Tiffany Philippou. The show was produced by Chris Bannister. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode if you enjoyed it. It will help other people find it. And of course, we want to hear from you because this podcast is all about how we can improve all our working lives. Email us at isthisworkingshow at gmail.com and tweet us at isthis underscore working. Thanks for listening. Bye.